Ladies and gentlemen, we are back. This is now the sixth show in, uh, I don't know, what, 10 days? Uh, I feel like we're coming off of a whirlwind. Uh, Last week was a blur. It was a bit of a blur. Uh, Friday, I was very, very tired, and I like kind of knew why, but at the same time, it's also like it was such a blur that I couldn't even 100% know why. I couldn't remember it all. <laughs> yeah. Gretch, did you uh, get to enjoy relaxing and, and watching football after five days in the content mines? Uh, yeah, I, I get. I mean, I, I feel like I'm still hungover from Friday, but yeah. <laughs> it's uh, last week was a lot of fun. Um, I'm hungover from the weekend of football, to be honest. I, I, I am that's too. what I'm hungover from. I actually yeah. missed my recording time with Sean uh, for stealing bananas for Tuesday. So, our, our episode that would have came out today is coming out tomorrow because I just like completely missed the time. I, I, I checked out after the weekend for a couple days. I, was, I mean, I Kellen, was Kellen Moore made me uh, question I question whether or not I like football anymore. That was that was a rough one. That was maybe one it was of those McCarthy. And that was on a different level. You know, when you sometimes watch games, and yeah, we have players that we want to get the ball, and you know, we get greedy. We want them to get thirty touches instead of twenty five. That was a game where literally every decision the Cowboys made was just maddening and frustrating. It was like you couldn't even comprehend how they thought it was a good idea. So much of that stuff, like I'm convinced that someone on like Monday showed Mike McCarthy that play where they do a fake punt, <laughs> get it, and then leave the team out. And he was like, that's so cool. We're going to get them to burn a timeout when we're ahead. It's going to be awesome. And then he was just like, I'm doing it no matter what. Like he just refused not to do it. He thought it was way too cool not to do. And he did it, even though the upside was them burning a timeout when the game situation was actually you're way behind and don't care if they have timeouts and can't run time off the clock. He burns a shitload of time off the clock. Doesn't get the team to call it the, the 49ers to call a timeout and gets a delay a game penalty out of it. It was one of the, like the most like guy doesn't know where he is plays I've ever seen in the NFL. Like truly a, a coast lost the coach. Just the coach was completely lost. And it also, I mean, in any other scenario, we got the Jimmy G meltdown that we all expected we was going to yeah. come. And we called it, too. And in, in our chat, we were like, here it comes. <laughs> and it's it gonna... happened, like, on cue. <laughs> but the Cowboys were so staggeringly bad that they couldn't even take advantage of the Jimmy G meltdown. Well, and it wasn't yeah. it wasn't just Jimmy G. It was Shanahan, too. I mean, the, the fourth and one punt with about, oh, like, five yeah. minutes left or where they, they intentionally took the delay game and then punted. Uh, Edge Sports tweeted was a 17% pre-snap win probability decision to not go for that i mean you're you're up six points and you're around midfield and you're punting for the like 30 yards of field position as opposed to if you convert this you're now in field goal range you're gonna make it nine points you're gonna win the game here by being able to kick another field goal and you're not gonna go for it on fourth and one and you're gonna give the opposing team such a clear path with five minutes left to potentially drive down score the game winner which they frankly could have. They, you know, Dak had the throwback uh, on the run to Cedric Wilson, where he kind of stumbled. He had to adjust with the ball in the air. Kind of a tough play, but um, the Cowboys, you know, that was fourth down. They they wind up not. Then they had the one additional drive after that. But Cowboys had a shot there, and they never should have had a shot. I mean, the Niners crushed them in the first half, but they sell for all those field goals and all that stuff. It was like sixteen to seven at half when it should have been like twenty eight to seven or something. And then the Jimmy G pick. It was, I mean, at that point, it was. 13 points or whatever and you're you're in the fourth quarter and you throw a pick in your own territory you give up a short field touchdown now it's six points with 
with you know seven minutes left. Just a bunch of tra- trash on both sides. That was a bad. It was game. so bad. It, so it bad. really was. Uh, and Nick, uh, Pat did uh, send. I got to see this how the sausage got made. I saw it in the draft form and uh, was already loving this. Yeah, I was covering that game, so uh, that was me. That oh was my goodness, so good. Um, yeah, how many was it painful writing blurbs for that game? No, that one was fun. I mean, that one was fun. Dak, Dak Prescott slides into the offseason was, uh, was a fun <laughs> one to write. <laughs> and then I got to see people just being like, oh, <laughs> like there was a lot of good reactions. So that one was sort of cathartic, but uh, it was also cathartic. Uh, Daigle and uh, Rotopat and I did a podcast after that night, and Daigle had called it all week. And I had like, I in the walkthrough, I talked about how Dallas could push the 49ers off of their preferred script. Their preferred script was obviously exactly what happened. But I thought that Dallas might be smart enough to kind of push them away from that. Kind of like the Bills just like blew the, the Patriots off their preferred script. It's like, great, run on us all you want now that we're up where I where I up on you. Dallas was fast paced, et cetera, et cetera. So I had read it like, hey, Dallas has a chance here. And Daigle's like a long suffering Cowboys fan. So he knew what was what was coming. So he had called it. And uh so on that pod, me and Daigle are just ripping into McCarthy. And it was very fun. So good. Um, Corey actually asked a pretty interesting question, you know, sentiment on CD lamb pretty low right now. I guess the question is how much is of that is on CD lamb? How much of that is on the offense? But Corey asked Waddle or CD next year. I think their ADPs will both be early third next year. That ADP sounds about right, but do you guys have a dog in this race? Uh, go ahead, Ben. I was going to say, I think it's a good question and it would be close. Uh, I did talk about Lamb a little bit with Sean when we recorded today for, for Bananas and I was looking up some numbers. I mean, he's got a lot of people are down on him for Dynasty, a lot of those types of things. I think that's true. Like, he shouldn't be, he was at like wide receiver three and people have sort of bashed him over this week and now he's down to like wide receiver five in Dynasty and I don't know, in, in, in whatever the market sentiment is. And, um, that's, I mean, that's probably fair. He shouldn't be that high, but at the same time, he still has plenty of paths to being productive. One of the really interesting things that I noticed to, today was looking through his routes again. When Gallup was out through week eight, um, week two through week eight, uh, Lamb had at least 90% route rates every single game. From week nine until week 17 and turn off week 18 here he only hit 90 percent twice he was at in the 60s a couple of times he was at 70 this is the same thing we saw in his rookie season where like they were so caught up with Gallup and cooper being sort of these outside receivers that lamb's the one that for some reason a third or a quarter of the dropbacks you don't have him in a route he's your first round receiver as a rookie and we thought that would changed this year and it did in the early part of the season and he was actually pretty darn good in the early part of the season he winds up not like i think his his season average route percentage is in the low 80s and that's like you don't see good receivers there i mean that's just very weird and that's not really on him what we saw in the playoff game was him on the outside and everyone was you know levitan had a great tweet where he talked about he only had like three or four snaps or something in the slot um that was ridiculous usage uh, but if you, the reason I'm emphasizing the routes is there's ways you can see Lamb still have a good third year, which would be one, his he could finally play a season where he actually runs like 90% route shares all year, which is not uncommon for a guy like him. He should be already doing that. Two, 
his targets per out run is weighted targets per out run. That element where he's drawing volume is fine. It's like 23% targets per out run this year. Um, or again, I don't have week 18 in there and, and like 0.58 weighted targets per out run. I think it was, when I was looking at it, which is like right in Jamar Chase's level T Higgins level. Chase was like the really efficient version of that type of volume in terms of per route volume. Lamb doesn't quite have the total overall volume because the routes weren't all the way there. Um, and and then his efficiency after earning targets was fine too, over nine yards per target. It, like he literally, like you can see the path where like next year, okay, he takes a little bit more of a step forward with the targets per run, which were also good as a rookie. He finally runs a full set of routes. Like it's just so weird. And, you know, the efficiency has actually been pretty solid for the most part. Obviously, it wasn't in the playoff game. Um, but, yeah, people are down on him. I think they're down on him for sort of the wrong reasons because nothing really stands out as being super bad in his profile. You can look at, like, market share and stuff, and that looks pretty bad. But, like, again, that's a combination of them not running him on enough routes and his targets per run not being, like, truly elite. But it's still, like, it's, it's like a one rung down. It's still very, very good. And so... I don't think he's bad or anything, you know. Yeah, I think uh, I think he's good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think I think uh, what he was. It seems like they were playing a little bit out of position to close the season, and Troy Aikman just like went on this like total tear about how you know they were clearly like he was he was in one on one coverage. <laughs> they, like they should have been targeting him based on you know they basically Troy Aikman thinks they should have been targeting him a ton, and they weren't. So that's annoying but when you look at what he did so far in his career 1.81 yards per route run as a rookie that's better than what waddle did this year by the way waddle had 1.75 which is good but uh lamb was better as a rookie and then lamb jumped up actually including the playoff game to 1.94 yards per route run so he was at at points uh above two yards per route run which is an awesome sign for a second year player he's dropped down below that but i still think his season overall was an improvement on his rookie year. He's going to have Michael Gallup's a free agent. Cedric Wilson, by the way, is a free agent. Uh, he's got a path to being the number one target in an offense that we're way more excited about than the Dolphins. Uh, he was a better prospect than Waddle. Waddle had a worse rookie year than Lamb. I think Waddle would would do well to kind of become this year's version of Lamb. Like a lot of guys don't follow up with a second season as good as Lamb's, like Brandon Ayuk actually had a very, very similar yards per route run to Waddle as uh, as a rookie. So I think, you you know, you got to think about the upside and the downside of what the player's ultimately be, going to become. And I think we're pretty confident that Lamb is good. It's just not – it might not all be perfect. And I think – I'm going to guess, is there anyone who would say if Waddle and Lamb switched teams this year that CD would not have had – a very similar season to waddle on that kind of volume. Yeah, I think you would have. And I, I, I mean, I don't know. And I, and to flip it, I don't know if waddle's season on the Cowboys production wise would have been that different from, from lambs. Yeah. I, I was just, sorry, I was just trying to look something up, but this is, you know, go back to Pat's work in the off season on rookie receivers, not typically running, massive amounts of routes this kind of emphasizes the lamb thing you know waddle was i don't know what their average drop dropbacks per game were in both offenses but we think of miami as being not as much of a pass offense waddle averaged about three more routes per game than lamb just raw routes not like percentages he he ran more routes this year which is 
weird. <laughs> like that right. doesn't make a lot of sense when no, he's the rookie coming in and Lamb is in his second year and Gallup was hurt for most of the year. And I think he was very clearly their best receiver. I mean, I, I know like he wasn't amazing, but like Gallup wasn't great and Amari wasn't great. Like Lamb should have been like their number one. Like they did mess this up big time. The, the big, you talked about the Aikman quote. I mean, I think the big thing that I saw from the film guys this week that I really thought was interesting was how far, um, off a lot of the outside corners were playing on San Fran and how Dallas's outside routes were basically just running into that coverage, running 10 yards and then making a break into your route. Um, and there's this idea of like, you know, when, when play callers are, are calling plays to think players, not plays think I'm going to get the ball in CD Lamb's hands. Why are you not just throwing him some bubble screens and letting him, you know, get a five yard gain on first and 10 or potentially break a tackle if they're going to play 10 yards off instead of, just running into that coverage. And that was sort of Aikman's point, run some comebacks, run some quick outs, run some slants and just throw the ball to Lamb. <laughs> like why, why are you not just like going out of your way to do that? It was pretty ridiculous in this game. The other thing, because I don't want to, I mean, I'm, I'm totally with you on using the Troy Aikman point to defend Lamb, but it does make me uncomfortable as, as Anthony points out in the chat, we probably don't want to be relying too much on Troy Aikman uh, in our defense here of a dynasty player, but the fact that Lamb had a 21% target rate this year, you're talking about he had a good target rate. And to me, it's like with these prospects uh, as they come in, like it's kind of like this is why I think we're all still very high on DJ Moore and kind of continue to be high on DJ Moore and Stefan Diggs before him. It's like when the guy comes in, he's sort of checking the boxes along the way. Lamb has done that. He had a strong rookie year as a very strong prospect. He had a strong second year, a 21% target rate as a sophomore with 1.94 yards per out run, and then entering your third season looking like you're going to be at worst the number two target on your team with good quarterback play and potentially the number one guy, like a clear number one guy. That's a pretty sweet spot for a third-year wide receiver. So to me, it's sort of stayed a course with Lamb. It's like a, a bad taste left in our mouth, but unfortunately that's the way a lot of this stuff went with Kyler, with Dak, with Hertz. you know, kind of a bad way to go out for a lot of these young you know exciting players but i don't know i mean to me it's like i didn't really see enough to get off of lamb i mean he still finished with better yards per out run than stefan Diggs. you know he still finished with a very very strong season overall just kind of like his worst weeks were sort of towards the end i guess i would be concerned if they don't plan to use him in the slot at all next year i mean that part was confounding you got an inside outside type of guy and they just gave Cedric Wilson all the slot work, didn't let him kind of, you know, mix in and out of the slot, which is how you would deploy a number one weapon. So there's definitely some concerning stuff. I wouldn't say like Lamb's as much of a slam dunk because I felt like he was a few weeks ago, but I'm still more or less as in as I was. Yeah, but we're, we're talking a lot about Lamb. I think the – I, I want to be in on Waddle too. I mean, yeah. I think the yeah, question was both and then like – he almost had a 250 PPR season as a rookie. Like you, yeah, he had a really good year. That guy in year two, a hundred percent. I would yeah. say that the, the dot stuff makes me a little bit concerned about Waddle versus lamb. Like I feel like lamb has a little bit more upside if he hits his profile due to the, due to step the target. It's interesting though, because wouldn't you say coming into the year, the thing with Waddle and, you know, maybe you um, highlight him in comparison to rugs as, um, as a prospect or just being like these speedy guys who, Hey, manufacture touchers for them, get the ball in their hands. And then what did the dolphins do? They fucking got the ball yeah, in Waddle's it. hands. They just did it in a way where they relied on him to be the engine of the offense. And so then the efficiency wasn't quite there as far as the big plays. Well, I also think 
you know, in a in a this is a positive for Waddle. Sometimes with that type of player, you're like low volume. You know, he's going to be kind of like a field stretcher. He's not necessarily going to be as good for PPR. And it's exactly the opposite. He's incredible for PPR. And now we're worried about, you know, are the big plays going to be there because they're using him so shallowly. Um, I think you're out with Waddle to become like where he's like the guy you had to draft next year is that Dolphins get their offensive line sorted because two is ADOT is so low. And obviously Waddle's ADOT so low. So he, he kind of becomes this like Jarvis Landry with breakaway speed, which isn't a bad combination, <laughs> you know, to Ben's point, I want to be in on him. But uh, if they can actually protect to a little bit better, in the, which they weren't doing, they had terrible pass blocking. It was the worst in the league. Uh, then you, then you start to think like, all right, now this guy's getting underneath targets and deep targets and he's the clear number one option. And that's when he could just be a massive hit. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah, another question. I mean, uh, this is what happens to us. I feel like because we're going to be teed up for an entire summer of prospect <laughs> conversations like this, projecting year two wide receivers. I do want to get into some of the uh, the drafts tonight, but uh, what do you guys think the deal is with uh, with Rondell after this first season? Rondell's a little bit less uh, exciting for me. Uh, very, very good prospect, but you know, just the, the lack of involvement in like spots where you would have expected him to, to really shine is I think uh, like a legitimate red flag. Uh, he was, he was like, they never like Cliff's not going anywhere. And there were multiple times where like you would have expected Rondale to take a big step forward in his usage. And uh, instead they had Antoine Wesley getting on the field. And I, it makes sense to some extent why they're doing that. Like I, I think the reason they were doing that was to keep Christian Kirk in the slot because Christian Kirk's better in the slot than on the outside. And they felt like having Christian Kirk on the slot was more important than getting Rondell Moore on the field, but it's still not ideal that they're playing Antoine Wesley functionally ahead of Rondell Moore for like the whole season. But uh, he, he was decently efficient 1.65 yards per hour run, which isn't bad. I'm not out on him, but it, I, th I think it's a red flag. Christian Kirk is a, uh another free agent he's a free agent year. that's yeah. true if that would walks, be a big deal if he walks waddles in the or ron dales in the slot role and I, I mean i think you kind of have to expect that they will let him go i mean it's not like he was that great this year but he's probably been good enough to to earn some interest in free agency from teams that are trying to add to their receiver depth right i mean he got pretty, he was pretty, pretty solid he's pretty solid pretty close to a thousand yards i bet he gets you know, at least no, he, like in the $10 million a year range for, you know, probably a shorter term deal. But I, I just, I don't think they would bring him back. Maybe they will, but I, I, I think he would wind up getting better offers from other teams than Arizona would want to give him is sort of my, my read on that. And so if that happens, Rondell's uh, in position to actually play, <laughs> which would be nice. Yeah. It would be. It, it felt, too, there were so many parallels to going and watching the Cardinals after watching the Cowboys, too, where it was just like, I mean, some of those throws Kyler was making, and it was just, mm -hmm. the team just seemed so broken. Um, and it is crazy how, I think we kept all wanting, I think I saw Tuttle, and I don't know if it was one of you guys talking about it, we're just like, we've wanted this team to get back to their early season form. And I don't know, have we discovered what changed for them early on? Because it's just been light and day from their first few weeks. 
My take in stealing signals at one point was that they were sort of the victims of their own success, which was to say that they were very efficient early. Kyler was playing really good football. And as a result, AJ Green was really productive. Um, Christian Kirk was off to a really, really fast start. And I think they sort of learned the, the wrong lessons there, which was, in, I mean, I, DeAndre Hopkins takes a lot of the, the coverage away and those guys are able to win in, in, in single coverage and those types of things. That's very helpful. And then that's gone. And then you're in a tough spot, but basically I, I don't, I, I think they should have been trying to develop Rondell Moore and, and actually trying to get playmakers at the receiver position. Essentially. I don't think AJ Green's a guy that makes plays. I think he's a guy that was, you know, sort of benefiting from plays coming to him for a lot of this year. He was good. And like, he was statistically very good. He was a lot worse sort of down the stretch than he had been in the in the first few months. And the same is true of Kirk. But they basically were like, these are our receivers. This is our team because they got that like – it's almost like what we get in fantasy where you get the primacy bias. You get the, the first few months of the year going so well. This receiving core is great. I mean, every week they're popping and you're like, this is our team. Like, And then when it's not working, you're not evolving and you're like, it's going to come back. It's going to come back. Look how great it was early in the year. And then especially, again, like I said, when Hopkins goes out, I mean, he's probably a big reason why those guys were having such a good start to the year. I, I do think Kirk is good. I'm not trying to like talk down Kirk too much, but especially Green going in and making the trade for Ertz. Like late in the year, what are you doing? You're 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 running routes with AJ Green, Antoine Wesley, Zach Ertz. The two of them are in wheelchairs. One isn't even an NFL player, and Christian Kirk is like your clearly your best receiver. Those are your four guys that you're sending out in downfield routes. I mean, Kirk's a good number three, or maybe a, yeah, a maybe solid he could be two. a number two. Yeah, yeah. He, I thought I thought he played well this year. I thought he kind of showed that he could be a, a legit number two on a team. But to be honest, uh, there a question here about DeAndre Hopkins. Like, I think DeAndre Hopkins like impressed me more when he was not out there than when he was out there because you saw, okay, he was he was taking like he he was drawing downfield pressure clearly. Because once he wasn't there, it, it really hurt the offense. And the first week that he wasn't out there was Murray's worst week. Uh, I do think that Murray, I don't know, I don't know why, but there is a clear because he had an ankle injury. So I don't I'm not sure why it seemed to have such a big effect, but his accuracy was never the same after the injury. Um he was playing, he just never got back to the same level of play post-injury. So uh he actually he had one uh, really solid week in week 17. I, I don't, week 18 screws me up. Yeah, it was week 17. And then week 18, he didn't play well. His accuracy was decent. And then we all saw what happened in the playoffs. So he basically had one really nice week post-injury. Um, I, I would think that maybe there's a chance that like a fully healthy Kyler comes out of the gates a lot, a lot better, especially if Hopkins is back, which I guess he will be. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he was, we joked about the horizontal raid even, you know, last year, but it was just like every single read was, you know, a five to 10 yard pass to DeAndre Hopkins. And it, it does seem like that was fundamental to their offense, at least for kickstarting things and opening up the bigger plays. Um, well, and I, I, you talk about this, you know, the, the concept of the raid is like the spread, right? And the, I think the thing that we see from the best offenses now is that you don't, you can't just have like one good receiver or two good receivers. You need that third, fourth weapon. Teams are are spreading out more. They're throwing more there. And especially now that the defenses have shifted more to like allowing the run, you know, the, the two deep shell boogeyman from this year, 
there's a lot more emphasis on defensively on actually stopping the pass. I think that depth at receiver becomes so much more important. That third, fourth receiving weapon. You look at like the Cowboys, right? I mean, they they struggled in the playoffs here, but like they they're deep down to like their fourth weapon. It's like Dalton Schultz looks like a legitimately good young tight end. Uh, the Bengals, another one. Like when you have Tyler Boyd as the guy that's getting forgotten about that you can go yeah. to, or even like Uzama has, you know, was he? He's probably a beneficiary of the other guys, but like your top two guys are so good, and and Boyd is also a really good number three, frankly. Yeah, I think Uzama's actually like just makes me more impressed with the top three guys. Yeah, <laughs> when he goes off, the, that's probably the case. But you want that depth. You want three, four weapons uh, deep. I think at receiver and tight end and downfield weapons. And then you go back to the, the Cardinals, and again, Christian Kirk is your number one, and then you have, like, A.J. Green is your number two best weapon. Like, that, that's where the problem was. When DeAndre Hopkins was your one and Kirk was your two and Green and Ertz are, like, your three and four, that, that can kind of play. But when you're trying to beat, like, complex coverages and you don't have anyone that can win, like, that's that's a real challenge, right? Well. I would also say to to Pete's point about the you know the horizontal rate stuff, like they were using Hopkins differently this year than his first year in the offense. First year in the offense, he had an eight out of nine point zero, which is the lowest of his entire career. He had never been below ten point eight before, and he previously before that season never had an eight out below twelve. He'd been a downfield wide receiver his entire career. Cliff Kingsbury uses him on a bunch of like little out routes and stuff, but then this year he did have an eight out of 13.1. So he's back to that downfield usage. And I think that's partly why he fell off uh, in terms of the fantasy goodness. Uh, he has, he had an 18% target rate, which is pretty solid, but uh, not like amazing. His yards per route run fell way down to 1.76 from 2.25 the year before. So like you'd rather from a fantasy perspective, have him just getting all of those targets and he's still good enough to do something with them. But I think from like a real life perspective, he's actually adding more to the, to the Cardinals offense than he was, in 2020 in a sense i mean maybe in 2020 because he was all that they had they couldn't have lost him but but i think that downfield element that he was bringing which is what he does best they really missed that when it was out of the offense yeah that makes sense um all right guys can i interest you uh i listened to leone uh he did an establish the edge podcast and he was starting to talk through strategy for the round two ffpc playoff contest and i had told myself no you're not gonna do it and then he started talking about it i was like i kind of want to build a lineup yeah all right let's do it um it is a little different because they pared down the roster uh sizes and so there's no, no kicker in defense right we don't have yeah. to fade any teams yeah exactly yeah so uh we we do get to remove soft fades from our lexicon uh at this point i guess so we haven't played this one nearly as much it was funny because we get so into the other one but then i think like there's kind of the the hangover where you you know you, we put so much in the first one we don't really even think about the second one but uh because you don't have teams to fade and because you don't have kicker and defense you're basically just picking every team to advance like everybody else. So I would imagine you want to get a little bit more off the board. Yeah, for sure. And I think we, you know, we talk about the recency bias heading into round one. Um, I think you even ratchet that up. I mean, what we saw last week, that's how people are going to play it, you know, and, and then you can go through a few teams like teams like the bills, you know, I still think people will probably split right between Allen and Singletary. 
you know, with the chiefs, people are probably going to split between Mahomes and Kelsey, but like the guys who crushed in round one, people are going to let that ride. And then, so there is the idea of buying low on guys. And then there's also the, what's the new reality is Jarek McKinnon, the bell cow back for a team that could go to the super bowl and people aren't going to buy what they saw round one. So I, to me, those are kind of where the edges are. Yep. No, I, I think that that makes a ton of sense. This question is completely accurate from Evan. What, what did we do when the Lenny news dropped? I can only assume it was cast. It was, <laughs> but we, we got it was out of all of our lineups. <laughs> I was, I was, uh, cause we were kind of waiting around and <laughs> I thought like, Lenny's going and Murphy's sitting here crying. And I was like, I got to walk this dog. So oh I yeah. Let, you got to tell this story. <laughs> I let him know like, all right, I'm going to go walk the dog. But I was like, I was just kind of doing laps around the apartment. And uh, I went, there's like a local coffee shop. I went and got coffee. And as I paid for the, the way this works, you pay for the coffee, then you sit there and wait. It's outside. And I'm just standing outside and I get a message. Hassan messages, Lenny's out. And I was just like, confirmed? And, and then I think Pete or someone else chimed in. It's, it's all a blur. And I almost started running before I even had my coffee. And I was like, <laughs> oh, I need my coffee. So then I went back, grabbed it. And then I start booking it. And Murphy, my dog's like, convinced that we're chasing the birds like he thinks he's like finally this guy gets it we chase the birds let's go <laughs> so he's just like darting after every bird as i've got a coffee in my hand i'm trying to keep a hold of him and i'm just like running back to my apartment <laughs> got back got all the fuck we you know which lineups do i take you guys are all taking lineups we're all all over the place but we we did it we got all the lenny out we put in some Keyshawn vaughn not a ton we we scaled way back made a bunch of swaps to gronk and evans Ultimately, I think it went pretty well. Yeah, yeah the uh, Leone talked about it a little bit on his pod, but like the Vaughn runout was super rough. Um, he comes in sub one percent in the contest, has fourteen points at half, and then doesn't score any more points in a blowout game script for the Bucks, where they were down their starting running back. Like, how does that yeah, runout happen? <laughs> yeah, because we have. Uh, I think we ended up with like ten or twelve percent Vaughn. We we left a decent amount in, which. I think put us even or overweight the field. Way overweight. Way. It was, yeah. it was point, 0.04%. Oh, 0.04%. I thought you said yeah. 14%, which is like... Oh, no, yeah. I thought it was more than I thought. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Wow. It was, okay. it was so we point are four. Point overweight four. the field. Point four seven. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. We, uh, we, what, what did you guys... Because there was a debate I, I saw in uh, the ship chasing Discord right after that. I guess the more interesting question to me of the Leonard Fournette teams, how many of those do you think were intentional? Like Galbrain, if they make it to the Super Bowl, he comes back, yada, yada, versus I forgot to update my lineup after lock. 99% where I forgot to update. Yeah, I think a lot more were forgetting to update for sure. And then figure out what whatever James Conner and Cam Akers percentages were. Those that's like those those are the Galbrain plays. You know what I mean? Or like the they're like, I'm willing to ri- I'm willing to risk the injury stuff plays. Well, so Akers wasn't really played, but Connor was seven percent, I think, and Fournette was nine percent. So that's right, well, at least at least two percent of Fournette was was forgotten about. But I think it probably I higher. think it's flipped. I think it's at least seven percent was forgotten about. Maybe two percent yeah. of people were like, Yeah, we're that's gonna get I'm him at. in the second round. That's where I'm at. Because it yeah. is tough, it's a very tough play because not only does he have to come back for the second round, which still isn't a guarantee, but he also has to ultimately outscore not just Keyshawn Vaughn and, and now Gio Bernard, but every other buck. And then you, yeah. you're then there's running backs who could outscore him. So it's just like it's a very thin path where even Connor, you're like, well, my bet is he plays and he's the highest scoring player in a loss. Like Connor one's easier to see. 
These guys, like, he, I mean, he has to beat out Evans. He does, but at the same time, um, you know, as we talked about all last week, the running back field was really weak, and the running yeah. back scoring is a lot lower than the receiver scoring. So he doesn't actually have to beat him in raw points at all. He has to get to where he's one of the valuable running backs. The, the running back scoring was even worse than I think we sort yeah. of expected. I mean, I, I definitely think the winner is going to be a two running back team. We do have a ton of those, so that's great. I, I do think it's different. Just the risk here, you know, the acres play at least makes some sense to me. You could tell that story that he's getting his job back and you knew he was going to play this week. Whereas with Fournette, not only do you know, for a fact, you're taking a zero from him in round one, his teammate, it's not like a bye week situation either. His teammates are distancing themselves from him. And on top of that, there's no guarantee he plays next week. I thought the fact that he wasn't activated was actually pretty bearish for kind of where his overall health was at. So to me, Fournette would have been a pretty big bowl. I would have wanted like, I don't know, a hundred plus lineups if I was going to sprinkle in a linear or two. Yeah. Will says Liam left some Fournette in the slime. So I'd be curious what percentage, because my guess is it'd be pretty low percentage, but yeah. Um, yeah. It wasn't crazy, but I, I think a lot of the 9% has, has to be just people who forgot. Yeah. Cause it happened so late. That's the other thing. Like we, we were scrambling to get them out of our lineups. Like it was, if you, if you didn't happen to be near your computer at that point. So one. who, who do you guys think is the play at quarterback? And we can just do some rough back of the napkin ownership projections on the fly here. I got to think overwhelming Mahomes and Allen. Here. Yeah. Like 80% probably. So I think there's a couple ways to play it. You play one of them and you play a lot of leverage plays. Like Pat was saying, really over leverage everything else, or you play essentially, I guess you probably be playing Mahomes to win. Cause even Allen in two games could get there. Uh, Mahomes to win, but then lose in the conference championship and it needing to be a Super Bowl QB with both of those teams not getting there, which is a kind of a tough one to see because one of them is going to win this week, obviously. Um, right. But you could play – I think we were tossing around names in our chat. I mentioned, you know, Burrow. as it Like, yeah, at this point you could throw Burrow into a lineup and he's going to be pretty low-owned, and that, that gets you off the board pretty quick. But, I mean, it's still, it's still tough because, like, if Burrow goes off, it could be Chase or, or Higgins and the quarterback on the other side. Uh, but yeah, I think it's one of two paths, sort of. You 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 decide on the top two QBs or or not, right? <laughs> How about I know quarterback doing quarterback first makes a ton of sense, but I feel like we have to jam our AJB over Henry here because I mean Henry's going to be massively yeah. owned at this stage. Yes, I like that. I, I honestly I think that like ben, the, you don't have to say running. that you like it. <laughs> <laughs> I actually I think that's like shades. how bad the running backs. The What's the running backs in round one? I, I think the running backs in round one are actually going to make Henry more popular, right? In, in a way, right. I think maybe they make him less yeah. popular, but I think people just are, are thirsty for a good running back performance. Yeah. So, yeah, how do you, yeah, so I, I do agree with that take, Ben. Like, you know, we could play Diggs and Tyreek and have that be our leverage stands in, in, um, or, we could try to eat that chalk and, and be more unique elsewhere. Brady Willis says Brady at QB. Brady came in a little higher than we were expecting. I think he'll be the probably the third QB, don't you guys? Maybe Rogers. I could see maybe Rogers. Both those guys, they came in as I the think third Burrow will be the third quarterback. Well, the, I mean, Rogers came in as the third QB in the big one, even with a buy, and there's no buy to consider. Oh, yeah, you're right. Rogers will be. I always underestimate Rogers, but. 
Um, you're right. He'll be so the third one. Then Pat rank uh, in ownership the the three Bengals of Burrow, Chase, and Mixon because this this is an interesting one. Chase, Mixon, Burrow. I think unless he just unless so, it just gets so gross at running back and you need Mixon, which I guess so what it, it really comes down to: do we have Fournette? Because if we have Fournette, then you don't need Mixon, and it'll be Chase. But if you don't, it'll probably be Mixon. I would guess Burrow comes in at like five percent, honestly. Because I do think Mahomes and Allen, I mean, I don't know, Pat, you're, you're the ownership guy, but I would guess Mahomes and Allen come in at like 80. I mean, not 80, maybe, maybe 70, but then you have 10 for Rodgers, 10 for Brady, and the, all the other quarterbacks are going to be like 10 combined in my mind. Yeah, to be clear, like I I, I feel pretty confident about my ownership stuff when I've actually like gone <laughs> yeah. through and, and, and yeah, yeah. signed projections and I haven't done any of that. So <laughs> all I'm saying is just total guesses. No, I know. Um, Yeah. Let someone someone toss in a play like AJ Brown jumped out to me as just like a the, a super clean obvious leverage play. What's it? What's another kind of must play that you would think based on? I mean Higgins stands out. He had a, a horrible game. You just mentioned the three Bengals that didn't mention him. Yeah, like he could definitely be the guy though. Although we have Brown, so Brown some of the Brown advantages like if they get beat, you know he can he can be the guy in a one game, and you, I don't know if you want to pair them together necessarily. Because then you're actually kind of hoping for a shootout. The winning winning running back or even potentially winning quarterback if that team goes to the Super Bowl could be the right move. Yeah, Mixon might make sense with A.J. Brown. Yeah, he might. Um, Probably want Mixon there. Yeah. Pat, who's someone you'd want to get in here? Well, I don't know if it makes sense to play him in here, uh, depending on how much leverage we ultimately need. But the Rams had a minus 10% pass rate over expected last week. Could maybe think about Cam Akers. Okay, I'm so I thought you were gonna say uh, Stafford, but I wasn't listening close. I was like, God, I can't do Stafford. I, I like Akers. I mean, okay. that play makes a ton of sense to me. How? What is your thoughts? I know he had the one catch for 40 yards. What is your take on Akers' pass game involvement in a negative game script in this spot? It's definitely like there's downside to it, but you're what we've seen from the Rams is that they have had a workhorse running back all year and neither Daryl Henderson nor Sony Michelle has been particularly great in the passing game. Michelle's been better, but even then Michelle wasn't really getting work as a pass catcher when it was Henderson's backfield. So I think the pat, the reason to play acres is that you hope you, you really hope that they make a run and by the super bowl, he's like 80, 85% of snaps, which maybe is a little bit, you know, coming off the Achilles tear, but they played him 53% of the snaps last week. <laughs> They're not sprinkling him in. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I, I, I'm with you. The vibe I got from, from what I saw in, in his usage was they're, they're ready to go, you know, back to Cam Akers, bell cow or yeah. close to it here. So in the, the main one, as we build this, I, I like the Akers play as well. In the, in the main one, Mahomes did come in a little higher ownership than Allen, which surprised me a little bit. I do think that probably flips after Diggs I wasn't. Thought, I thought Allen was higher. No, it was 25 to 23. I mean, they were like dead even. Oh, wow. In the 200. Maybe in the 35, it was flipped, Pat. I don't know. But in the 200, I think it was 25 23 to Mahomes. I, I think that probably flips because Diggs wasn't as good and, and Mahomes' weapons mm-hmm. were. And, and Kelsey's going to be a really popular play again, obviously. I kind of like with this, what we're doing, 
I mean, number one, we've already, I think, with the Acres play, gone off enough that we can take one of the main QBs. I, I would think Mahomes and then one of those sexy tight end pivots other than Kelsey, like Kittle, or even potentially Gronk, because Evans had a big game and Fournette will be back. I think Gronk will be a good play as well. Those are the two tight ends that I think are more fun than Kelsey from a leverage perspective. That's I where think I would go next. My favorite move would be Tyreek, and then then you do Allen, but basically just as a Tyreek versus Diggs, where it's just so much easier for me to see the ceiling with Tyreek. Especially in like a one game Super Bowl, Bowl blow up. I know obviously Dix has a giant ceiling too, but that's that's where my head's at on that. Um, I know we get in our bubbles with Steam and Contrarian Galaxy plays, but I, I promise you Acres is not going they still to have be Cooper Cup. They I mean Cooper Cup is getting absolutely jammed. Yeah, I think I was I ended up being light on Cooper Cup, which what did I he come in at? Like like not ninety one percent or something? Ninety one percent. I mean even if he comes down, I mean, he's coming down what at most like ten percent. If Acres gets to ten percent, like that, that's your steam. That'd be a <laughs> that, yeah. that yeah. would be a massive yeah. steam. Well, yeah. even I mean, you know, I mean, like, there's no way that Cup will be less than eighty. You know? No, yeah. so no, he's he's still the comfiest click uh, in the contest. Uh, so Ben, which one of or Pat? Who are who are you settling on? Is it my pick? Yeah, Tyreek. I was feeling Tyreek, and then thinking, thinking we could go Allen. Yeah, I mean, I still want to play Bills to the Super Bowl. They look so fucking good, and we we have probably enough leverage here already. Let's do it. I'll take Kittle then. Okay. Yeah. Now we're. I love that. Now we're picking. That's some leverage. Uh, where did my thing go? Did it save? All right. We go Allen, and then we go Kittle, and so now we have Bucks. And Packers, I, I think we can eat Adams on a non yeah. Cooper Cup team. Yeah, so I'll put too. in Adams, and then who do you guys like for a buck? So we're probably Gronk. even though we took Acres, I like Kittle Gronk together without Kelsey. Yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. Sorry, who? I said Gronk. Gronk. Just Gronk getting Kittle double. and Gronk together, going two tight ends without Kelsey seems like a pretty. That's pretty Maybe hot. A little bit less unique. Yeah. More unique. I love it. This is fun. Yeah. So yeah that thing. I could just tell Pat, he's like, man, maybe I will whip up some ownership projections. <laughs> 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 it's just if you had done this on Monday, you'd have ownership projections by Tuesday. I'll tell you that. Don't dupe us, bros. Don't do it. It's a little us. too late now. <laughs> That's right. Um, yeah, but ownership wise, is. I would say like, if you're just thinking through it yourself, for net, is going to make a massive difference in terms of like, I think specifically Fournette to Mixon. Uh, Mixon will be way, way chalkier if Fournette doesn't play. And I think pretty interesting if he does play, because I assume then Chase will just soak up a ton. Um, and it's also easier to get to T if you have Fournette to go to. And so like, if you, if Fournette plays, I think Fournette's fine, but then maybe go T as opposed to Chase, because Chase is going to be huge ownership if Fournette goes. How, what do you think? Because I'm just, I'm just looking at running back purely in a vacuum and the, the cleanest clicks are probably Joe Mixon and Devin Singletary. And I'm not talking about opportunity costs at teammates. I'm just like, who do you just feel super good about? Basically not, no not Derek Henry. I mean, there's question mark. I mean, he's, he hasn't played in months, you know, like 
What if he has the Cam Akers ease back game where he gets half yeah. the work and they lose? Yeah, yeah, that's true. But I agree with you that Henry's going to be the most, but I'm trying to think too of like, it, I guess my point is, is just running back is so gross. Like no one makes you feel good. Singletary well, doesn't make you feel good because you're passing up on Allen. I still think Aaron Jones is probably right. the best, not maybe the best leverage play, but like we were talking about him a little earlier in the week in our, in our chat. I think Aaron Jones, I, I think I like Jones more than Akers even. Akers is still tough because we don't know if he'll get all the work and you do still have the cup opportunity cost. And Jones is sort of similar with Devontae Adams, but we know Jones, like, I think he's probably going to be just as low-owned as Akers, and he could come out and have a three-touchdown game pretty easily, I think. Yeah. Yeah, he yeah. he starts to get he starts to get very interesting. Um, and I think, yeah. I mean, Francis is saying in the in the chat just that, you know, steam, steam, steam for, for Akers. I'm not really buying it, but I guess, like, you could maybe talk me into that he's, he's 10 to 15%. Uh, but there's, there's a 0% chance that Jones is, is even 10%, I think. Right. 10, Aaron, 10 Aaron Jones, Aaron Jones. Yeah. No, cause, yeah. It, cause people are going to go to Rogers in a way that they won't go to Stafford. So that's Adams might end up higher than cup in this one because in, he might he did see the Rams and people yeah. were already fairly interested in playing Rogers from what I had seen. And just like lineups yeah. being posted, like people were on board with the Rogers play. And I would say also how some of these games went. I, I feel like most people feel pretty confident that the Packers are going to the Super Bowl. And so now they're saying, can I get, you know, three games out of Rogers? Yeah. People talk shit for the, the uh, comment about say. who's tackling AJ Dillon in the freezing cold. Like I, I completely uh, get that stance, but that's why no one's going to play Jones. Jones gets air yards, dude. Like he runs routes. Like he, he had a game earlier this year. I think where he caught three touchdowns, right? Like, you get him on these like sprint out down by the goal line plays. I think he had a couple of sprint out touchdown receptions in the same game. The one where he scored a bunch of TDs. I mean, that's like, it, it, we've talked on the show a lot about not getting caught up on who the wide receiver one is on a team and looking at players independently. Uh, this is a backfield where I would say, don't get caught up on who the running back one is. They don't have a ton of playmakers. Those are like two of their three best players on offense. Obviously Alan Lazard is like pretty good too, but they don't really have like a second receiver. It's like Devonta Adams, and then they're going to find ways to use their running backs. And uh, I just look at Aaron Jones independently and say, like, he can easily catch a 25-yard touchdown. He's done that multiple times this year. Yeah, he had a game back in week two where he had three receiving touchdowns, and he had a rushing one. He had four TDs total. That was before Dylan came on. I get all that. I've been a huge Dylan fan all along. But Dylan can have a good rushing game, and Jones can still be the guy who who eats up touchdowns with some some routes, actually, receiving stuff on top of some rushing. So this yeah. this is kind of the two v two, right? If, if you're trying to not eat chalk at double spots, what do you, what pairing do you like better, Cam Akers with Devonte Adams or Aaron Jones with Cooper Cup? I like the Jones Cup side personally. I like the Akers Adam Adam side because while I think like I guess that I mean both can work, but you I think you kind of need the loss with uh, Green Bay for the Jones side to hit. Like, I just don't have any confidence because you're going, not only are you going up against Adams with Jones, you're going up against Rogers. So in a Super Bowl run, those Rogers teams might be like super stacked. I mean, they're going to be in this contest. They're going to be super stacked with skill players from every other team. They're going to have a really good skill player opposite Rogers in the Super Bowl. I think you're gonna have a tough time. I mean, maybe you have Josh Allen and Aaron Jones, but I still think that Jones is a big dog um, to outscore those guys over a three game run. So, 
I guess like with acres and maybe it's a thinner bet to happen, but I do think like we are seeing the signs and we've seen this a couple different times with Sean McVay in the playoffs. They just convert. He's lost faith in his quarterback. He's just going to become this like run heavy team and they're going to power. They're going to play power football through the playoff run. So the, the hope is that acres pays off because they're actually building their offense around the running game and they're winning through the running game where I don't think you're going to see that really the same way with the Packers. And if you do, that's AJ Dillon, not Jones. Yeah. And I always, I do feel like there's always a little bit more of hopium with Aaron Jones and that we know he has the ceiling. No one questions that he can pop off for a three touchdown game, but those are less frequent where I think it's a little safer to project Cam Akers role, just growing into 20 plus touchback in this game. And then maybe the game script breaks in your favor too. I just think there's maybe more outs for Akers than there are necessarily for Aaron Jones, but maybe that's wrong. I don't think that's wrong. Uh, I guess my, my counter, I agree with you on the TD thing too. My, my counter a little bit would be like, Dan makes a good point here that, Running backs are the soft fade spots. You don't yeah, need that's many true. points at running back. Adams isn't at that yeah. huge game. I think you're. I think Pat, your point that you kind of want to play the Packers to lose is right. I think you do want to be playing the Packers to lose. Um, but I mean, I just pulled up his game log because I was looking up the the three TD thing. Like Jones, like even like week sixteen and seventeen, he had twelve and eight carries, uh, but had over sixty five rushing yards of both and caught five passes in both. So you're going to get like. 13 to 15 points, even if he doesn't score, he didn't score in those games. And then he, you know, he scored the two weeks prior to that. I mean, go back and look at his game lock. Like he's in double digits every week. He's in the 15 range every week. Last week in this contest, there was like three or four running backs that were played in this that scored in double figures. Uh, you know, Singletary, Jacobs, Elijah Mitchell, and Joe Mixon. I mean, Keyshawn Vaughn was sub 1% and he got to double figures. Some of the other running backs were sub 1%. Should have had 32%. That's it. Like no, none of the other running backs even scored. I mean, now we have Henry um, and, and Mixon potentially could have a bigger game or whatever. But I think 15 points out of Aaron Jones could get it done. I'll also say goals. everything you're saying about Aaron Jones um, and, and to some extent, just like the safety of him getting there. I think he's a much better play than AJ Dillon and the, the stuff about, you know, AJ Dillon in the cold. And like, I do really struggle to see AJ Dillon being the guy over a three game stretch. And maybe that's an, a lack of imagination. Cause I guess, you know, maybe they just steamroll teams for three weeks and, you know, he, he scores twice in the, in the Super Bowl or something. But uh, if you're not playing Adams and you're not playing Rogers, I do think you want to play for a loss just because your, your best case scenario is like happen to get the high score in that game and then get that team out of there with Dylan. It's like, you have to play for them to get more, players and at least with acres you're, you're you're making that same bet but you're only fading cup and there's and the hope is that the guys consolidating the backfield the further and further you go and acres has yeah some like legit receiving upside he not only had the 140 yard catch he had the other one that he overran remember that deep shot right. on the sideline hey he could have he looked good I, i'm totally with he you looked like, really good he could have a really good game for sure he Dylan looked is like a, where... a, agile and like he, he looked great yeah Dylan, I think it's a no way you can play him in this because like he's gonna yeah. he can catch some passes, but they're dump offs, and he only gets there if their whole offense is working. And if their whole offense is working, he's not the highest scorer on his team. He's just sort of, you know, a part of a cog in that. I don't think, I mean, because it's all low value touches. He could rack up. He could have a hundred yard rushing day. It's ten points, right? Like, I mean, you have to have yeah. multiple touchdowns, and then also like they didn't throw at all. I, I don't know. It's just 
I think you could sprinkle him in if you're doing a bunch because, like, if you get an ankle tweak by Jones in, you know, halfway through this game or something, he's, like, going to be he, – he could easily be the guy you need if he consolidates that backfield and then yeah. they roll through teams. But it's, like, you know, I think it's a it's a pretty thin play in, like, a small portfolio. Somewhere, somewhere at home, there's someone who's firing 150 lineups into this second chance contest, and they say thank you for permission yeah. to sprinkle in a you little. Can sprinkle it in. <laughs> um, let's. Uh, so this is a another kind of one of the big uh, surprises from Wild Card Weekend was Jarek McKinnon's involvement. Um, I asked Pat. I was asking Davis. I was like, were there any reports? <laughs> on this and it seems like there really was nothing other than Darrell Williams not being a hundred percent that would have indicated this was in play. Yeah. And like Darrell Williams was, I think he was questionable coming in and then, you know, there weren't, it was like, yeah, he's active. Like it didn't seem like, you know, game time, like, Oh man, like it's going to be a, a problem for him to get through this game. Uh, it all seemed like a pretty normal sort of questionable tag. So I don't know. It was a surprise, but McKinnon, I mean, talk about a guy who looked good. You look great. Yeah. Ben, what was your take on uh, what we saw from McKinnon? I mean, confusion. Basically, everything <laughs> you just said. Um, yeah. He looked great. Uh, and we kind of, you know, the, the best ball shares are loving it. You know, we, this is this was the thesis of the play in August. You know, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> I think That's, we drafted him still going? Our, uh, our NFC team that crushed. I think you know what? Jerick McKinnon. That would actually yeah, be a did, fun yeah. contest, right? An entire season best ball contest. That Super Bowl double points. That includes the playoffs. So now, and then you would probably see people, you know, really overweighting the the really good teams, right. Just because yeah. they're trying to get that extra, which would probably create some really interesting ADP values. Like Bengals stacks would have crushed. Because they would have been sort of yes. underweight. The idea yep. that they could have won the AFC North and got to where they did. And then you're getting a second playoff game. This is how this. I love this idea because it it makes you have like a, a rooting interest with a team, not just players. Yeah, that everyone would stack even more, which is like would be good. Yeah, you have would get to. people sniping stacks, and you'd stack the running back and the quarterback even more. Like you'd stack yeah. the whole. Yeah. The, and then the other thing you could do too is you could have a prize after the regular season and then a prize for the full season. So there were still people who kind of in dynasty, mm -hmm. you know how some people can build short term, some people can, you know, have a five-year window that they're building toward. It's like you could decide, am I going to engineer to try to win the regular season flat where I don't care about it? Or am I trying to go for the full season where I'm building through, you know, Super Bowl contenders? That would be really fun if you had I want like what if okay so what if you're you qualify for a tour you qualify for the, like the regular best ball tournament yeah and then you have that regular best ball tournament but while that's going on you're also still competing to qualify for the playoff tournament so all all of your teams like that didn't make the first tournament aren't eliminated are they're live for the they're still live and they they go through and they're still fighting. And like maybe you auto qualify if you qualify for the first one, but then there's still additional teams that are going to qualify for the playoff team for the playoff tournament. Uh, that that would be fun because then it would just like even your teams. Because how often do we say that, right? Where even the team we drafted with Davis, right? We were like, holy yeah. shit, that team got so good. It had Jonathan Taylor, Devontae Adams, and Elijah Mitchell on it. We're like, why couldn't we have had this in the playoffs? Yes. Where if there was a format like this, where he, hey, no, we still get them. 
Yeah, exactly. There's this question here from Philip who joked about the Kendrick Bourne about Kendrick Bourne being the play. Yes. It was Sean, and Sean. for those of you who remember when we had him on, we, we referenced how when he was on in the summer, he gave away Drico mentioned in in winning the FFPC best ball that he picked Sony Michelle late because Sean mentioned on chip chasing the Sony Michelle play. Um, and so we were referencing that during that same stream last week. And then later in the stream, Sean gave away the key play to the FFPC contest. Did we play the key play? No, we did not. Did nope. anyone? No, not we single, all, none of us listened to him it. in his sports almanac, but yeah. he had it and it, it was right again. Sean Litter, I mean, and he even joked on stealing bananas about what am I going to come on the show and, uh, you know, ruin my EV because the Sony Michelle was the, uh, Drico pick. And so, of course, uh, it was Kendrick Bourne. And like usual, we all were like, oh, that's funny, Sean. Um, but he was right. Good one, Sean. Yeah. Good one. <laughs> two touchdowns. Uh, what about a real nice play to have? 777 <laughs> and two touchdowns. <laughs> um, so we have Kevin asking about T. Higgins. I do think we could flesh that out a little bit more because we were talking about the big three for the Bengals. Um, Kevin says last week he saw a bit of Hayward and Chase was on fire. Cincinnati was heavily condensed too. So I know just from your willingness to put Higgins in this lineup that you still are leaving a light on for a, a big game here. Yeah, yeah we're leaving all the lights on. All the lights are on. T. Higgins is awesome. This passing offense can be incredible. <laughs> He dropped a 40 burger like four weeks ago. All the lights are on. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for that. How do you, do you want guys... to talk about the recency bias that you were talking about? Like literally week 16, he went 12-194-2 against Baltimore. He had a 362 game in week 17, didn't play week 18. And now in week 19, he has the one catch. Uh, and just before week 16, you know, he had a, a down game week 15, but he had a three game stretch of at least 114 in every game. Um, what, he's a what, better yards per out run than Tyree Kill this season, including the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, he's a He's been incredible. Yeah. <laughs> play T. Higgins. R Ryan's got it. T. Higgins, unironically, an alpha play. Yeah. Absolutely. absolutely. Alpha and play. I mean, I would rather play Chase, like, if there was no such thing as, like, you know, game theory or whatever. But, like, <laughs> There is. So T. Higgins is going to be absolute smash. And even if there wasn't, he'd still be someone you want pieces of. Yeah. Um, I guess the one thing, if you play Higgins, are you hoping for a Bengals loss? Or are you okay with Higgins with two Bengals games here? I also think you okay need a Bengals two. loss. Yeah, you, you can, you're fine with two. Because the other thing is like, let's say, you know, Chase outscores him in this game. Because Chase is a favorite to outscore him in every game they play. Yeah. But the ceiling is so high on Higgins that it can make up for that. If Chase outscores him against the Titans, okay, well, he's getting the Bills or Chiefs next. And that game could just be an awesome shootout. They've had a really interesting dynamic this year where it's been sort of one or the other. And I don't, I think that's just like a small sample sequencing, all that stuff we talk about. It's very probable, in my opinion, that both guys could have very similar stat lines. We just have not seen it a lot at all this year. Like, Chase has really blown up recently and, and for a stretch in the middle, Higgins was blowing up uh, Chase early in the year. They've been sort of one or the other, but imagine a scenario where they both have like 80 to a hundred yard games and Higgins just gets the TDs like look normal teams that have two really good receivers, which this is that team. And the other thing, just thinking about the construction for the playoff contest. So we ended up in that lineup. We just built a little while ago. We put Mixon in because we thought he paired 
with AJ Brown better, I do think Higgins would be like the perfect guy to play opposite your Derrick Henry. Um, because Derrick Henry is going to be very popular. So Higgins gets you really unique off of everyone playing chase opposite of him. And the chances that Higgins has a blow up game aren't that much different. Such a smash, such a smash, such a smash. Yeah. Uh, And if, if you, if we don't get Fournette, then I actually think Higgins might be the best place, best play in the entire tournament because it's so hard to get to him. Like you're going to have to do, you're gonna have to do something uncomfortable to get to Higgins, but can't deny that he isn't a very, very strong play. Like leaving aside chase. Cause you're saying all that. If we don't get Fournette, people want to jam Mixon. You have to play a lot of Mixon. I mean, Mixon yeah. is so much easier. So what are you, like, okay, you, you're definitely playing Henry, and then I guess you're playing Singletary. You know, I guess you could go Akers or Jones, but now you're like, all right, well, if I'm playing Akers or Jones, am I really going to play Higgins? I want to play Chase, you know? So if you can figure out a way to do it and we don't get Fournette, like if he has the – you'll win the whole thing if he has the big – I was game. messing around with some lineups in our chat and all of them had Jones and Higgins. That's Those are like the two that – I, yeah. I want both of them. Like that, those are the two big levers. No, and then I, I like obviously, that. like Kittle and Tyreek, those ones are, I think, very obvious leverage ones. But I really like this idea of Jones and Higgins being guys that I wouldn't. Maybe this is wrong, but I don't think I would play Kittle and Jones together because I kind of feel like Kittle's the same thing where you're playing for a loss because they're just running their offense through Debo now. Yeah, that's fair. I think that's fair. Yeah. Um, Real quick here, and then I think we should uh, close it with a with an underdog draft. But Sam asking about the Debo like touches for Chase. Um, Sam asking if that was something new. I definitely hadn't seen any of those kind of end around manufactured carries for Chase. No, uh, that was cool. awesome. Yeah, I think it's great. Uh, do you do you think it was intentional of like we're gonna save this wrinkle for the playoffs, or that they were just? <laughs> like the offensive coordinator is a light bulb just finally went off. Oh, we should get our best player of the ball a lot. I mean, I don't know if necessarily intentional as much as maybe they're game planning and going, what are some new wrinkles we can show? Here's a good idea. They gave him seven carries over the course of the year. They gave him three in this game. So obviously it was a higher rate. Um, you know, he had about one every two games during the regular season or a little less than that. And, you know, I, I mean, maybe it's something they had back pocketed or maybe it's something they were just game planning and they're like, yeah, this would be – maybe they saw some on film, you know, for the matchup, and, and maybe the Raiders were giving up big chunk plays to receiving rushes, you know, receivers on, on end rounds. I don't know if uh, th- that's at all true, but it could have been. But it, it might just be something – I would guess that they were like, we want to put a new wrinkle into our offense that they haven't seen yet. And, I mean, it, I think it's super bullish on the Bengals, again, to just – like, that's the kind of stuff we're complaining about with CeeDee Lamb at the top of the show. Like – they are like Jamar Chase is an incredible athlete. Look at whatever, you know, look what Debo's doing. And like look at look at these teams that are actually intelligent. Let's just get the ball in our athletes' hands and let them do some things, you know? Yeah. Yeah. They yeah. they know. I mean, today there was a quote, they're like, You seem like you have more of a deep element to your passing game. Like, like, please elaborate on why that is. And the guy, the coach was just like Jamar Chase. <laughs> <laughs> so they get it. And the other thing I, I would say, I think it's probably more of the, the wrinkle for the playoffs thing because we saw the Bengals at various points pack it in and play really run heavy. And then we saw them at other points just like go to the pass and those other points specifically being the Ravens and the Chiefs game, which were the incredible Burrow explosions. The concern with them is always like, do they, you know, were they protecting Burrow? Because their offensive line is very bad 
And maybe they were just like, we need to just get through the regular season, not get Burrow hurt, and we're going to go run heavier than is ideal to do that. Or do they not really get that they need to push the pedal to the floor with the passing game? They had a 9% pass rate expected on first and 10 against the Raiders, and they had a 5% pass rate expected overall against the Raiders. The Raiders are a run funnel. You could have easily seen Cincinnati play it like very, very balanced. They didn't. They played it pass heavy. I think the the Bengals are totally live to win the Super Bowl. Like I think they have a legit chance with this type of passing game. Like as powerful as passing game is, you just need to get really hot and you could you could do it. It's obviously they're not like one of the favorites, but I don't know. I mean, if they like lean into this in a way that Dallas completely leaned out of, if they kind of go the other way and then and you know, I love the the point about CD Lamb where they're they're identifying Chase. I think they have a really, really high ceiling. Didn't um, they lost uh, Larry Ogunjobi this week, right? Which was kind of tough. I, I completely agree with you, but like the defense would be the concern. I mean, it's almost like yeah. they'll be like the first year that, um, you know, like the, like they're definitely the upstart offense. Like the the first year yeah. of Mahomes. Wait, did they win the Super Bowl in their first year? I, you know how like the a lot of times the the hot off one in there in his second year it was an MVP and then the Super Bowl, yeah. The, so they lost in the MVP year, right? So it's like you you run into a good defensive game plan in your first really good offensive year, mm-hmm. and your D's not good enough yet. And we see a lot of offenses that happen to in the playoffs. I think that could be sort of ultimately their. That's favorite. probably what'll happen to them. Yeah. yeah, I completely agree with you though. I, I like them too. They're hot. Um, you guys want to put some of these ideas on our feet here with a, with a mitten draft. I do. All right. Uh, and also I should say just part of our extreme Cowboys tilt. So that incredibly gorgeous early team that we drafted where we had the Mahomes premium double with Kelsey and Hill, we had Dak and Amari and Pollard. That team failed to advance because of the Cowboys, even with the big Mahomes and uh and hill game so just a devastating run out thank you dallas cowboys for that one yeah make sure you're high enough hire kellen moore as, as your new head coach like, <laughs> yeah. what could go wrong uh so if anyone wants to hop in a, a mitten draft with us right now we will uh i have not done any of these i think actually i did one on splash play with spags but uh i am not uh in the weeds on how these are going is this um same same kind of concept, same rules, like one team advances. Yep. Yep. Exact same uh, structure as the last uh, – or actually, sorry, this is the mitten, so two would advance as opposed to the six. Uh, the gauntlet is just one advances, and the mitten is two. Got it. Got it. So we did draw the influencer 101. It's already interesting here uh, because earlier in the week it was Adams and Cup at the top, and I've seen Allen now and Mahomes must be uh, must be coming up here. Uh, do you guys have a take on who you think is the number one overall pick? Oh, is it? That's good to know if I'm wrong on that, if it's just one this time. Thank you, guys. Just one this time. It's probably Adams. Right, you get the home route to the Super Bowl. Can we get Rodgers on the way back? Is the question because if you're not getting Buff and KC, like now your quarterback has to be like Burrow or somebody that you're picking to get there. My guess is Rodgers doesn't make it back even without the stack. 
What, so that's gonna... what if we take Adams and then stack the Bengals? Okay. Yeah, I like a Cincy Green Bay Super Bowl pick. And we could always yeah, get Dylan. I was thinking, like, you could play. I mean, Cup's rough, but you could consider, like, I don't know. I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> it's If these QBs are going 2-3, like, it's actually interesting because they play each other. Like, one of you guys well, if we get immediately. I mean, if we have, like, Burrow and Adams, like, I, I feel like I'm taking those 2v2s over whoever they get in the second round. Yeah. And it's interesting too. You see uh, how people set up their stacks because, at least in the first set of these, you know, basically three to four teams, their first two round picks were were stacks of some sort. Whereas now, when it gets a little bit more spread out, I, I wonder if we're still seeing that quite as much. I just don't see how you could possibly take Rogers without Adams in a contest like this, but. I guess it's impossible to get both. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, what you, what, what scenario are you playing for? Well, there you go. This scenario. So he took that Rogers scenario, and Aaron Jones. Yeah. But what is what's the? I mean, even I was high on Aaron Jones. It's is what what I described going to happen three weeks in a row? No. no, but if you get if you get the one Aaron Jones explosion game. And then you get the one Rogers spread it around game. Maybe you get there, right? Yeah, I guess. And most um, hard and stuff. I don't know. That's but oh. to Pat's idea, I mean, we're still well positioned here to play a Bengals. Let's go Chase and Burrow. Yeah, I'd say Chase Mixon here. Oh yeah. Well, Do we have to get Burrow? So this is, is the Burrow thing how back? much we want to gamble. So that we have a cup Kelsey team, a Hill Diggs. You are at risk of a Higgins Burrow pair if we go chase. Yeah, I think we Higgins. I think we go Burrow and lock that in. Unless he's like way down. Are you okay with that? Yeah, I'm good. I think it will get snaked by someone just because he's so attractive. Um and T's still a nice stack partner. And then you guys want to I just go... saw in the overall that Mixon was higher. I didn't see Burrow on the list, but I Burrow having a twenty one point nine eighty P, I think it makes I, I hear it. it makes sense to get him here. Chase, right? Yeah. yeah. We can galbrain T Higgins on FFPC and draft a uh, chase on underdog. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's kind of the game theory thing, right? Yeah, it is. And, you know, uh, Eric suggested chase Mixon, which I do think is viable, but kind of to Ben's original point of like, can you go to battle with a Rogers without Adams? I don't, we could, we could make this team work. We probably end up, you know, pivoting to, you know, a Tannehill or galaxy brain Trey Lance or something. But um, if I was drafting a bunch of these, I would, I would kick the can down the road to try to see if he would come back to me, but in a one and done draft here, I'm like, let's just get our stack. I completely agree with that. Yeah. You're not winning this thing with Adams and chase and, and, and mixing as your top three picks. If you don't have either Rogers or Burrow, it's just like you need those teams to play in the Super Bowl, and then you need the quarterback. It's just not, yeah, and like this team here, so Chase takes Mixon, like they're I I'll, maybe he'll even take T here, or he would have been a candidate to take Chase for, or uh, Burrow for sure. I think right was a candidate to take Burrow even if he doesn't take T because yeah. he still doesn't have a quarterback and he hasn't Mixon now. That's this is a hot. 
Yeah. I like this turn here going for that Green yeah. Bay Tennessee Super Bowl. I like it a lot. So we weren't a fan of the Rodgers pick, but it, it kind of it kind of worked out. It does work out the Henry AJ Brown pick. So that's a good call. So I was inverted here, uh, gonna kick uh quarterback down the road, probably gonna go for a Trey Lance, I would or or Jimmy G. Maybe both. Maybe just grabs both at the end. Stafford was uh I think pretty clear Sonny would have taken Burrow. Yeah. I guess he gets he gets that cup stack, but you'd rather have the mix in, I think, because so we can go the double with T. Oh, let's do it. T and who? So yeah, I'm just gonna put T in the queue. AJ for now. Dillon. AJ let's go Dillon. Dillon. Yeah, that's the yeah. Okay, pairing. that's what I was thinking. I just was you, when you said double, I thought you meant two more Cincinnati picks. I was stoked for getting Higgins and Dillon. Yeah, yeah, no, that's I perfect. Think that's I think it's beautiful. Yeah, you're seeing oh, the double because we already have Chase. That's that looks great. Oh my god. So it's now uh, Joe Joe Go here. Uh, you know we're we're both uh, rooting for the Packers win, and then we. Oh, but Joe goes to the chat. I like that, that we didn't like Joe Go's team, and then we came around on it, and then we realized yeah. he's in the chat. <laughs> now we good, now, now that we're we got fair. our Bengals premium double, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everything looks better now that our team is good. Um. So yeah, Fritz here. Um going with the Buffalo stack and then playing Tampa Bay and then acres pretty nice value there. I think on acres Casey doubling up on quarterback. So he does have the QB running back stacks for both the bucks and Tampa. I was inverted kind of still honing in. He's kind of best player other than now he has two chiefs and two 49ers, I guess. How many rounds are these? 10. I I, I was inverted when, in the first two rounds, I mean, I don't want to. I, I, I'm. I don't know anything. But Hill Diggs is something I don't think I would do because they play each other, right? Yeah, yeah. It is. I'm trying I, to I advance. Would, yeah, I would. I guess it narrows a little bit just when there aren't as many games and the potential ceiling you're getting there. But then when you factor that in, plus not getting the quarterback stack with it, it does start to not seem as attractive. His advance rate, though, could be fairly nice, right? Like his first place equity probably isn't as good, but his advance rate is probably just as good. Mm -hmm. So what's the strategy here for our team moving forward? Because, like, are we trying to now just, like, get a better advance rate with this team? It's threading uh, that needle, right? Up? Yeah. So I think we could definitely introduce another team if we wanted. I mean, Boyd or is here, which is kind of a no-brainer. Yes, yeah, so we have MVS at this turn. <laughs> I'm just going to put them in for now. I mean, we probably should think if we're going to get, we probably need a little more running back help if AJ Dillon doesn't do yeah. that much this week. Acres already mm -hmm. went. Acres went. What do you do? You guys have any? I mean, Geo is probably the like help you advance guy, right? I mean, Daryl Williams, if like he really was hurt, I mean, he's not in a game with either of these two guys. Um, yeah, or Geo. Geo could win and, and play two games. Yeah. I, I would uh, look for I, a guy that's not in the game with the Bengals or we, the Packers. I think I'd take MVS and then maybe just do this take him and then and yeah. figure it out later. Because yeah. these are all just kind of dart throws. Yeah. Yeah. Hope saying that these drafts have been hard to set up stacks and, and that makes sense too. Um just with concentrated teams. It's hard for people to get out of each other's way. I mean, we are set up with Green Bay now 
obviously we just have the one running back. That could be a problem. But Green Bay, like the points are coming through MVS, Dylan, or Adams. I mean, I guess Cobb could ruin our lives. But like I feel like we or Aaron Jones. But we have like a pretty we're like pretty uh we've got all the scripts covered. You know what I mean? Yeah. No. Unless they just uh, fail. Let's see here. Mikkel says, imagine not starting Chase Mixon. Imagine telling me who's our quarterback on that team. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other thing that's nice about it is, and no surprise that we devalued running back, but we can now stack, right? Like if we want to take some darts on some of these running backs here, like we might be able to double tap running back here um, if these guys keep slipping. Well, would it make sense to go like Daryl McKinnon? Or do you need more out of your last round picks? McKinnon already went. Yeah, oh, McKinnon went. went. Yeah, oh. he would have been a nice pick. He went round four to KZ. Oh, wow. That was uh, okay. Um, that makes sense. I just didn't realize he'd gone. Ricky answering an interesting question. I, I think this would be maybe losing in the NFC championship or AFC championship, but I don't think you can take zeros at quarterback two times. Maybe you could take yeah. one zero in the Super Bowl. Like you get a mega like team there and you're just jacked up everywhere. I, don't I know. think it has to be like, like, I guess you could do it if you had like Tyreek and Adams, like if those, I mean, I guess that's like, or maybe cup and Adams or not cup and Adams. Cause those two couldn't make the Super Bowl together. But uh, however it would have to be like maybe cup and Kelsey, maybe, yeah. maybe that would work. The problem with it too, is it's just even hard, even without the quarterback to get all those studs. You know, I mean, it, it's, yeah. you know, it, it dries up quickly. And if you advance in that scenario without Tannehill, then you're playing t- other teams that advance that presumably. Right. Oh, well, yeah, you also have, have Tannehill. They have Tennessee stats yeah. that are dead. Is that the idea? I got it. Yeah. Um. So Geo does go. Thank you, KZ, for sniping him. Um. I'm fine. I think Darrell with a team like this makes a ton of sense. Yeah, um, I'm good with it. Where are you guys at on? I mean, I think we should probably take another. I mean, Foreman or Vaughn. I mean, we don't probably want to do Foreman in this game. Yeah, I think it's Vaughn. Because we if might want to get, do another running back. We might get another game out of Vaughn. Yeah. And that's kind of what we need in this build. It's just like, can we get can we get 10 points from one of these three? I think is what we're looking for. Yeah. And then last pick can just literally be CJ Uzama. Just, just on, <laughs> yeah. just rip it. Probably. Yeah. Josiah yeah. Degara. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Josiah. I love it. <laughs> Uzoma, he looked pretty good. Yeah. You know why? Why? Jamar Chase. <laughs> Alpha play. <laughs> We got Perriman. Eric, we're we're grabbing our first running back or second running back in round eight. I mean, there's going to be things that I'm going to lose sleep about. Why don't you figure out how many L's are in his name? <laughs> and then get back to us. Yeah. We, we need running backs to help us advance. <laughs> Literally, the other options are Dante Foreman going against him onslaught as the rb2 uh zach moss who 
did even have a snap last week. Ronald Jones didn't play. I mean, we just need bodies. Ronald Jones also <laughs> not a practice setting, even though we could have won Kyle Use Jack. That's true. Uh, somewhat, somewhat Chase did take us on Uzoma here. You bastard. Uncalled for. Deguara. Josiah Deguara. Uh, is there like a better just? Is there a Kansas City receiver? Because we, we did play Daryl. Like we're kind of playing them to beat the Bills. Is there like a Pringle or a Demarcus? Robinson? Yeah, I'm into that. Those I think Demarcus Robinson is there. No, Demarcus is there. Oh, Demarcus is here. It's right yeah. at the top. He's terrible at football, but it works. Yeah, and because we don't we don't have a we dog have in Rogers. the case. So, no, I'm did just saying. Zero Grayson like, run rounds. Was he playing for Tampa? Is he another option? I didn't check. Cameron Brait. I mean, since we have Keyshawn, I, I'm just thinking of like rounds one and two. Cameron Brake can score a TD. Uh, let me pull up Grayson. See Grayson wasn't targeted. Did Tyler Johnson go? Scott Miller, it looks like, played more. He ran four routes, so Ooh. Cyril Grayson's out. <laughs> I like that you liked that. <laughs> no, that was, a, that was a different kind of ooh. Ooh, that's pretty bad. <laughs> okay. There it is. I like this team. Uh little Cincy Green Bay Super Bowl. Uh, I think we'll be in, in very nice shape. Yeah, I mean, looks pretty good to me. Yeah, well, I think probably our biggest <laughs> concern is next week running back, right? Well, oh, because we don't have the other. I mean, we need like if- we need KC. We want KC to beat Buffalo. Right. But I'm saying, like, if Fournette does come back, like, our perfect scenario is Fournette doesn't play. We get another similar game. But then if Fournette comes back next week, now Vaughn is is dust. Uh, who knows what's going on with that? I mean, we, we need A.J. Dillon to carry us next week. Yeah. The yeah, only but- other thing I would have maybe uh, pitched if I would have thought through this better is I generally like having a running back tied to my quarterback on these to the Super Bowl. So I would have probably suggested just tossing in P Ryan and oh see. yeah. I was I laughing like at Ethan's comment. He wrote fuck it P Ryan for the last I round. <laughs> I should have. That's actually a good suggestion. Have. Yeah. Fuck it, P Ryan. Yeah. I think if I, I would take the P Ryan over Robinson, but otherwise I think it's a fun team. Me too. That's great. We should have done that. We don't we're never playing Robinson. Even if he catches a TD, we, we've got such good receivers. That's that would have been the right the last yeah. Pick. Um all right, guys, hopefully that uh, scratched your action itch uh, tonight. Uh, any any final words from you guys? Um, got, I'm doing the walkthrough, writing it tomorrow. Check it out nice. on Friday. Nice. nice. Uh, Gretch, uh, stealing bananas, anything else? No, I'm trying to catch up on sleep. Uh, yeah. I started playing NCAA Football 10. <laughs> this week so uh smu i read an eric dickerson article this week that was really good and now i'm uh gonna bring smu back to the the glory days of the 80s so yeah i mean it's a it's a big week i don't you know i don't know i don't know if i'll have time for you know all all the things that i need to get done football season ends and gretch turns into a 17 year old stoner playing video games (laughs) exactly (laughs) um all right 
uh, as Evan has found my vocal tick when I say, all right, guys, that means the, the show is coming to an end. I immediately go, true. all right, I guess we're done. All right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have a very busy day tomorrow getting on a flight in the afternoon. Uh, so I am going to, uh, to call it a night, but where are you going? I have to say to- getting on a flight to where? If I if I was able to disclose that, Ben, I wouldn't have to be getting on that flight. Um, no, I'm going to Lake Tahoe with my college buddies. We rented a place. We're going to watch uh, the divisional round games, play poker, just hang out, all the good stuff. That sounds awesome. Yeah, so enjoy. It. Excited for that. But we will be back next Wednesday. Are you a skier or snowboard or anything? You're going to hit the mountain. I, I I do like to snowboard. We're actually not planning on it. We're just because this is our DGen weekend. We normally go to Vegas uh, for it, but we said, why don't we just get a cabin that has a hot tub and a poker table and watch all the games? Yeah, cool. I did yeah. want to I did want to give a shout out to Eddie in the ship chasing Discord. Let me yeah. know that season three of Dead Eyes is uh, is live, which I did not yeah. know, and uh, it's a great podcast. Season three of Dead Eyes, excellent season. I actually downloaded those. I was hoping to catch it on uh, on my plane tomorrow. So uh, we love Connor Ratliff. Um, all right, guys. All right, all right, all right. Uh, need to stop saying that. Uh, we will see you guys next Wednesday.